How are we doing on seats in the choir room here? There are seats back there. There are seats back there if you want to go back. And there are also seats up in the front. So we got seats. One thing we got here is seats. Did you have an announcement? Uh. Engaged. Actually, he got on his knees uh, at breakfast last Saturday to show us that he had gotten engaged. The, they had gotten engaged the night before, and it was a tearjerker for me. And, and we me. are, and you, yes. We're, so I have to hug you again. Yeah. Hey, it is happening. Aren't there? Aren't there a couple more? I don't know if they're here tonight, but uh, Jacob and Maggie got engaged so it's in the air man it's in the air what you got engaged when did you get engaged where'd it go you want to come up yeah tell us who you are i don't know I, come on here's another couple i don't know they know them well but hey What's your name, and, and uh, when did it happen? What happened? When? When? Happy December 27th. December cool. 27th, yep. yeah. Cool. Do you have a date now for we the... We do. We do. We're getting married June 1st. Okay. Yeah. And you all can come. <laughs> Woo! No. Good deal. Congratulations. Thank you. We like, we like weddings. We like marriage even more. We like to see young people come together. We like to see men pursuing women in a godly way. About a year ago, you might remember, if you were here, you remember that I said that if you start a relationship, what we would like to do is have you connect with Karen and me. And someone from the back, do you remember it? Someone in the back yelled, why would we do that? Kind of an in-your-face, that's okay. And I said, because we don't have a good track record yet. Because probably most of you here have a story to tell. It's a sad one. Of some kind of breakup that was painful. And maybe you were kissing somebody else's spouse. And so... Uh, and and then getting married, we don't we don't have a real good track record in the Christian church. So what we want to do, we have fun. We get together with them. We talk about what that could mean. I send them an article about what it means to be in a friendship, what it means to be in a committed relationship, what it means, and what are some of the things you can do as an engaged couple. Some people think, okay, now we're engaged. We're going to spend all the t- we we'll spend a lot of time together. Actually, I tell them just the reverse of that. It's a time to get ready for the wedding. It's a time to get ready for the, the life together. And so you may actually spend less time together as an engaged couple. Think of Jesus. He went to get things ready for us. 
See, it's time to get ready. And that may mean working two jobs or, or doing something to prepare for the family. Just, uh, I like it when I have time just to talk to you. I just want to talk to you a little bit about a couple things, and then we'll get into our message. He, he mentioned uh, the seminar on the 23rd right here. We'll meet down here. The reason I'm doing this one is that that's a question I get more than any other question. How do I hear? How do I know? Do I take this job? Do I go to this school? Do I marry this person? I want God's best. I don't want God's second best. Who wants a plan B marriage? I mean, who wants to meet a plan B wife? And and, uh, and, and they've been told certain things. Some of you have been told things that, that brings uh, paralysis, passivity to you because you're not sure and you don't want to miss God's best. And so I've seen people just stop cold and then they don't make any decision. So we want to help you make good decisions and uh, take the pressure off you. Um, that's one of the main purposes, to take the pressure off you making the right decision. Harvest Project, we are considering something. We've had more interest this year at this time than we had last year. And we're really happy about that. People are getting interested because now they see it's, it's a done deal and it's a good deal. We have a credit arrangement with Northwestern College, which basically means we've got really good classes. Really good if you had been here the last two days, you would have said yes and amen. They're really, really wonderful classes. So, uh, and then, you know, the rest of it, the snowmobile, the North Shore, and uh, that kind of stuff. So we would like to talk to you. And if, here's one possibility. We're thinking of doing evening rather than day. We're thinking that maybe some of you, that would release you to come. We want you to come if you want to get rad- radicalized. In the, in the word of God and in the life of God, if that appeals to you and you see yourself going to the workplace or going to some other kind of ministry, uh, we don't see any difference between the workplace and ministry. So with regard to communitas, I think I shared with you a couple of weeks ago that we were, we were praying and asking the Lord whether we should uh, expand because we're, we're running out of seats. And the Lord made it clear, spoke to us, and said, you're not going to uh, split. And a couple weeks later, he said, but you are going to multiply. And we're not sure how that's going to happen, and we're okay with a variety of ways. Maybe one or two or three or six of you will just start a Bible study where you are. And maybe it's just an experiment. And maybe it'll turn into a church. This started as just a little experiment, and that makes it safe. Failure is, is a non-issue, and so just try something. And you might think if you lead somebody to the Lord, the natural thing would be to bring them to communitas. You know what? It might be better not to. Here's why. That person probably has friends who are out in the world. And, and instead of bringing them here, maybe you should say, hey, do you have friends could we have a Matthew party? And they said, say what? When Matthew came to Jesus, he had a party at his home and he invited all his friends and had Jesus show up. That's a cool party. And so you could, uh, if you lead someone to Christ, instead of, you could bring him here if you want, but instead think about having a party 
invite the friends and then have one of us or, or you do it. Come over and just share Jesus and you may have a church on your hand. That's, we don't believe in a high, you know, six-month planning to get a church going. We believe in connecting with people and seeing what happens. Steve, do you want, do you want to jump up here real quick? What is coming? We're, we we are uh, we've hired Andy Rangans and uh, Ben Fisher. Ben's working in worship, discipleship, and fundraising. And Andy, where do you think Andy would go? IT, of course, <laughs> technology. So, uh, and I stepped down uh, from Lutheran Renewal. In October, I'm raising funds, and I'm saying this, if you've got moms and dads who like what's going on here and would like to fund this or like to fund me, let me know, and I'll talk to them, okay? And what do you got going? Uh, yeah, well, <clears throat> I just kind of wanted to extend like an open invite. Uh, I know some brothers, they run a ministry called Breakthrough Ministries, uh, and they've been uh, feeding the homeless for years and years and years, like pretty much every week, going out feeding hundreds of homeless. Uh, and they basically started a church for the homeless. Uh, but they've been telling me, I met these guys for about three years ago, and they didn't have anybody to lead worship. And they're still looking for people to lead worship, and it's been three years later. So, like, anybody that loves to worship and wants to see the presence of God come among the homeless, uh, talk to me because <laughs> I'll get you connected. Um, and they probably got, I mean, there's literally hundreds of homeless coming every single week. So, Open invitation. You want to see? Uh, yeah, they've usually been meeting on Sunday, Sunday like afternoon. Uh, so it's usually like one thirty, two o'clock, or something like that. But it's seriously, it. yeah, open invite. You want to? Where is it? Just connect with him. Yeah, just connect with me. They got a church over on yeah ninety four and Dale Street that they just started up. So thank you, thank you. Okay, next week, I hope I don't speak. I'm scheduled, but I hope I don't speak. Here's what I want to do. We're talking about gratitude tonight, and I'm going to ask you to do what I'm talking about, and then next week we're going to have testimonies of what happens. Wouldn't that be cool? You know, let's do it. Let's not talk about it. Let's do it. Let's discover what it means to be radically thankful. And, uh, and then next week, I promise I will not speak as long as there are people who are giving testimonies for the whole time. If we run out of testimonies, I will talk for the remainder of the time. Deal? Okay. I want you to finish this sentence and raise your hand only because we don't want everybody saying it at once. But... You know you have a grateful heart if, just think about it for a moment, you know you have a grateful heart if. Now, I want you to finish that sentence and start it with if, da 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 different ones. Just raise your hand. Okay, if, real loud. Oh, my. You praise him in trials. 
Raise your hand if you've ever done that. If you, if you can think of a time when, when you've praised him in the midst of a trial. Tried to. That'll work. We'll give you, we'll give you a partial credit. Yeah. Good. Okay. You know you have a grateful heart if? Okay. I'll, I'll say an amen to that. You know you have a grateful heart if? The small? Yeah. Let's not miss the small ones. Let's not wait for the big ones. Let's get them while they're still small. God likes very small, doesn't he? Yeah. You know you have a grateful heart if... Oh, is that a testimony? Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Wow. You know you have a grateful heart if... You live in expectation. Ooh, yeah. Anybody here live in expectation? Anybody here expecting anything today? Anybody expecting anything tonight? My. God, we're expecting you. Our hope and our expectation is you. We expect you to touch us. We expect you to teach us. We expect you to train us. We expect you to transform us. We expect you to change the way we think. We expect you to allow us to think in such a way that the air we breathe is not smog, it's gratitude. And that we develop a grateful heart. What if you thank God in the midst of tests and saw him turn them into testimonies? It is a good one. What if young adults decided to thank their parents for what they gave them rather than withholding from them because of what they didn't give them. What if couples threw away their expectations and chose to show gratitude instead? You like that one, honey? (laughs) What if you slowly changed your workplace environment with a grateful heart and you started an epidemic. Anybody in a workplace that, that is really difficult? Raise your hand. Turn, look around. Look at, look at all the workplaces that, you know, I've had so many people tell me how difficult their workplace is. Now, you can either be a thermostat or a thermometer. You can either, you know, register it. Uh, Yep, yep, it stinks here. (laughs) It smells. It's a bad environment. Let your light so shine. This is really a stinking environment. Yep. (laughs) Let her shine. Or you can change the temperature of the place. Do you have that kind of power? I mean, do you have that kind of power? I think we do. I think the book says we do. So, okay. You know, just a thought, hey. What if you decided to shed your whining and develop a heart of gratitude 
and you found it even more fun. <laughs> Turn to Luke 17. Verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem... So he set his face to go steadfastly toward Jerusalem, and he was going with such resoluteness that it scared people on the way. He had determination on his face. He went into one town, and they couldn't even handle him because he knew where he was going. So what could stop him on the way? I'll tell you what did. Ten lepers. So, ten men who are friends, not simply by choice, but because people drew a circle and excluded them. They were excluded by everybody but by lepers. So they didn't go to the synagogue service because they weren't allowed. They didn't walk with other people. If they came within certain distance of other people, they could get stoned. So they didn't come close to Jesus. Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee, and he was, as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. Now, some people probably thought, oh, I'm not going to run after him. I'm not going to try to catch him. I'm not going to try to chase him down. I'll do that next time he comes around. This was his last time. He wasn't coming around. This is chapter 17. Chapter 19, he's entering Jerusalem. And he didn't come this way ever again. Ever. So they just lost their chance. So if you have a desire, if you're hungering for God, I mean, go do it now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Do it tonight. If you're hungry, otherwise you could easily miss him. Jesus Christ is passing by. Sinner, lift him your eye. Focus on him. Cry out to him. Lord, have mercy. So that's what they did. Ten men cried. Jesus, Master, have mercy upon them. When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. They obeyed. Somewhere along that trail, something starts happening. Leprosy is such is it, that it deadens your limbs and they, they can start falling off because the mice will eat them and they won't even feel it. And so they may have no limbs. They may, they may be walking crippled. It, it sucks your life out just little by little. And then something begins to happen. They begin to grow limbs. The spots begin to come back on. Something starts happening in their heart. And they're getting really excited. Whoa, did something happen to you? Something's happening to me. What is this, brother? And then they realize, yeah, they're healed. So one guy says, let's go back. No, man, I, this is my moment. I've been waiting. I'm going to go, go to the priest. Just like, didn't, didn't Jesus say that? You're supposed to go to the priest, right? Yeah, but you just got healed, man. Hey, I'm not wasting any time. I'm going to the priest. I want to get to my friends. I want to get to my family. I want to let them know the good news. Yeah, but you just got healed. 
So he comes back. As he's coming, he's praising God. He's having a good time on the way back. He gets back. What does he do? Look at the passage. He falls down. That's a good thing to do. And he thanks Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. 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 You changed my life. Thank you. And Jesus says, I really didn't expect the other ones to come. One's enough. That's okay. They probably wanted to be with their families. That isn't what Jesus said. In fact, Jesus asks three questions that tells us something about how heaven has an expectation with regard to gratitude. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Where are the other nine? He's not really happy to get one out of ten, is he? I mean, he doesn't say, that's okay for those guys. They, they had business to take care of. That is not what heaven says. God looks for gratitude, and when he doesn't find it, he marvels. Two things cause Jesus to marvel in the scriptures, great faith and the lack of it. Great gratitude and its absence. Now, we totem pole sins. And the things that we do seem to rate higher on our totem pole of serious sins than what we don't do. I want to share two things with you tonight. The seriousness of ingratitude. Ingratitude is serious. And how contagious gratitude is. So first, I just want to talk to you a little bit about the seriousness of ingratitude. Matthew 25 is the last of Jesus' words before the Last Supper. So what's on his heart is probably pretty important. And he tells two, two parables and a story, a, a story that's going to be enacted. But he tells it like sheep and goats, but it's human beings. The first is the virgins, the second is the investors, and the third is the story of the sheep and goats. Every one of them, the one thing that separates those who are in from those who are out is a little word, not. Inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Inasmuch as you did it not. In other words, it's something they failed to do. The first, they just failed to, failed to get oil. No big deal. Big deal. This guy just failed to invest his life. I mean, he was afraid. Let, give him, let him off the hook. Give him a break. Didn't give him a break. Omission 
is serious in heaven. And if you think that God overlooks ingratitude in our life because we don't happen to think about it, Jesus is asking questions. Where's the gratitude? Where are, the, where are those that I've touched? Where are those that I've healed? Where are those that I've supplied for? Where are those that I've called the sun to shine on their front lawns? And he wants, he wants that uh, recorded for us. Ingratitude disconnects us from Jesus. Gratitude sets us up for the next miracle because it opens our heart to what Jesus is doing and it gets us ready for the next one. Ingratitude closes our heart. Here's an elder brother who is stinking in his self-righteousness and his legalism. And listen to what he says. He's a victim of a kind father. And he says, look, he doesn't even call him father. The word father is used five times in the passage, usually by the prodigal, never by the elder brother. His name is look. Look, all these years I have slaved for you and I've never disobeyed your commands. Yet you have never given me even a kid that I might make merry with my friends. He didn't want to make merry with the family. He was a victim of his own resentment. And he couldn't receive because here, here, here he's talking to the father like this. If there is ingratitude in our life, it chokes us. The resentment chokes us from receiving anything. Meanwhile, here's a younger kid. I don't deserve to be your son. I just, I'll just be your servant. Nothing doing. And the dad starts pouring it on him. And he says, oh, my. I can't get over this. I, I got a crummy score, but I sure have a great dad. I can't believe it. And it keeps coming. He gets everything he wanted out in the far country. It just keeps coming. He doesn't understand it. I don't get this, Dad. You don't have to get it. I just want to love you. And he keeps pouring it out. His hands are open to receive. If you have a grateful heart, you're just going like this. Oh, my. I can't get over this. It's so wonderful. Why does he keep doing this? Why does he keep blessing me? But if you have a heart that's closed by ingratitude, you're a victim. And it gets worse because it can move to perversion. If we look at Romans 1, we find that the spiraling down of depravity starts with ingratitude. Although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor give thanks to him. And if you want to stay away from perversion, get a grateful heart. Develop gratitude for God, for all that he does, for all that he's doing. Ingratitude runs with the wrong crowd. Jesus is talking about loving your enemies And then he tells how kind his father is. And listen to what he says. For he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. I wouldn't have put those two in the same sentence, would you? Jesus did. In fact, Paul is so strong about gratitude that he says, in the last days... It's in 2 Timothy 3. In the last days, 
There will be terrible times. Listen to this list. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive. You want to be in this list? Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful. When Paul is looking at the qualities that are going to be exhibited, they're going to be featured. They're going to be on the billboards in the last days. One of them is ungratefulness, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And then he concludes with this, with this warning, have nothing to do with them. So if you have a friend who's ungrateful and they just spit out the smog of ingratitude and resentment and critical spirit and harshness and it just it fills the air, I'd say back off or exhort them. Give them a warning. Say, you know, are you sure you want to be doing that? Not a, not a healthy thing to be doing. In fact, it connects you potentially with demons. First Timothy 4, 3 and 4. Demons will either push you toward a libertarianism of, of free love, free sex, free sin, or it'll push you the other way of legalism, and they don't care which way. They'll, they'll want to get you one way or the other, and this happens to be legalism. They forbid people to marry. This is a forced celibacy, and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. I don't want to spend much more time in gratitude because I don't think that's where you live. But I just, I'm bringing that warning for any who are here who, who are just filled with ingratitude. The worst thing about it is that it puts you in company with, the, with Satan. Satan is the most ungrateful person in the, in, in the universe. He had the best place of any human being. He was most, uh, most uh, beautiful in his creation, most, most uh, uh, fair, most light. He was the light bearer. And rather than thank God, thank you for who I am, what did he do? He envied God. He's going, to over, he's going to stage a coup on the throne. And he took one-third of the angels with him. And now their fixed assignment, they have no choice but to make people miserable. They have no choice. They don't get thanked for it. Satan never says, good job, way to go, liked what you did. He's never had a thankful thought since God threw him out of heaven. Hell is going to be a thankless place. And where they're not yet in hell, as I understand it. They're in the air. And their job is to make you miserable like they're miserable. If they weren't so sinister, I'd almost feel sorry for them. Because they know their doom is sure. They know where they're headed. And they have a thankless job. And it's a terrible environment. That's what hell is. It's just a terrible environment where they know they will be. And so they just fill the air. I don't want to help them. I don't want to link up with them in any way. 
I don't want to, I don't want to enjoy complaining. Now, there's time for speaking the truth. There's a big difference between that and complaining. God knows the difference. He had heard enough of ingratitude from the children of Israel. He said, I've had it. You're not going in. God doesn't even like it. It doesn't register on his happy scale at all. And so, so you need to think about that. You, you, ingratitude will link you up with Satan. So if you want to ditch the devil, just start being thankful. He can't stand it. He's, he's gone. He won't, he won't stick around. You, but he doesn't like it. He can't stand it. And he will do whatever he can do to keep you from a grateful heart. So if for no other reason, there are plenty of other reasons, but if for no other reason, make him mad. Just, just turn to gratitude. Okay, enough of that. Why gratitude is contagious. Gratitude makes you really look like you ought to look. I mean, it makes, it makes guys good looking. It makes girls beautiful, doesn't it? Gratitude, it, it, it makes you fun to be around. And it makes you the way God created you to be. And you find yourself receiving of his grace. Because gratitude opens your heart to God. And so then you're, a, you're able to access, access what he wants to give to you. And he wants to, he's extravagant. He's outlandish. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of life. He just showers it down. Jesus said about his father, and he knew his father, fear not, little flock. It's a father's good pleasure. Just give you the kingdom. Oh, that's, that's not bad. Hey, I inherited $10,000. Oh, I inherited fifty. What'd you get? Oh, I got the kingdom. <laughs> not a bad deal. Not a bad deal. Pretty generous father. Gratitude connects you to the people that you want to love. The reason why some young adults have a tough time at home this is important, is that they realize that they didn't get some things that they should have gotten and that some other kids got. And they're real ho- really hoping they do. So they go home expecting more this time. Well, I prayed, and now it's going to be better. I'm going to get it. And they come back after break, and they say, no, I didn't get it. It was really hard. And so they hold back until mom learns how to be a mom. And for goodness sake, dad learns how to be a dad. How long are you going to wait? I'll give you an option. I gave it to a young man who testified a month ago, Jacob. God, they just got engaged. Because we were talking here at our small group. By the way, I'm going to send a clipboard around next week. You get the idea we like clipboards? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we could run this ministry without clipboards. They're, they're, they're really big help. But uh, think about it. If you want to be in a small group, if you want to be mentored, we'd, we'd like to connect people together. Because it can't all happen here. It'll happen together in a small group. And it happened in that time. And I just talked to Jacob. Asked him how it went. I gave him an assignment. I said, Jacob, here's what I'd recommend that you do. Connect with your parents. You could call them. You could email them. 
and express gratitude. I think I showed you how long his, it was a full page, single spaced. He came back and showed me what he'd written. I said, Jacob, you really did your assignment. I said, how did it go? He said, "It, it changed things. He said, it lightened things. He said, I even had a good talk with my mom before I came back. He was really happy. I said, was it scary? Yes. But it worked. So I'm giving you assignments now. I expect you to come back with testimonies next week. I don't want to preach. I want you to give your testimony. I want you to think of a teacher that you never thanked, a coach that you never honored, a policeman who gave you a ticket if you can track him down, and and you didn't thank him. You wanted to spit in his face because you didn't deserve it, and you should have thanked him. The mail carrier, the woman at the grocery store, what? what 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 are you going to do this next week so that you can turn it into a, a testimony and come back and tell us about it? Gratitude and generosity are siblings. Where there's generosity, there's gratitude. About three weeks ago, we had a testimony. And then we had an offering. We'd never had an offering like that before. I don't think we've ever had as much on that night as we had. Jenny gave a, gave a testimony. It was really rich. And uh, listen to this. 2 Corinthians nine eleven. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous for every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Your, genera- your generosity makes people thank God. That's a wonderful reason for being generous. Where you find one, you'll find the other. Where you find generous people, you'll find thankful people. Where you find thankful people, you're just going to find generous people. I asked uh, a communitas person here about job situation, about the boss. I said, uh, does he ever thank people? And he said his way of motivating people is not to thank him, it's just to pour on more work. What if that boss chose instead to say, sure, appreciate your coming today? How does that make you feel when you hear a boss say something like that? I mean, I guess it is. I guess it's not that bad. I guess I can tolerate it. Hey, way, way to show up. You actually showed up on time. Way to show up on time. Hey, way to get the job done. Way to set the table today, Shanice. I hope a few of you others thank her for what she did. Somebody, I don't know if you knew that, but this food just doesn't show on the table. Somebody actually goes out and shops. We need a couple more, by the way. People clean up after you. Take your cup with you when you go. But somebody stays here later. I, I sometimes see girls carrying chairs and cleaning up way to go and that that's wonderful yeah who who are some of the people that have cleaned up for us raise your hand if you've been involved in cleaning up come on put them up come on put them up i i know come on put them higher higher that that rates high with us we don't always give the preacher a hand but we give we give those who serve us 
that that's that's a wonderful way to to serve us. We really like that. So what if this week, what if what if you came through the checkout stand and you knew that this person was down? You can tell them. You can tell sometimes. I could see that one was down. We were getting something at Byerly's. And I said, I've just got good news for you today that God really loves you and appreciates you. And she said, are you a minister? <laughs> That's how often she's heard thanks and praise. I said, as a matter of fact, I am, but that isn't why I said it. So I would rather, how many would rather build somebody up than tear them down? How many, wouldn't that be fun if wherever we went, if we thank the person who delivers the mail, if we thank the person who, who um, checks us out, who cuts our hair, Jesus was in the habit of changing situations and changing situations uh, in your mind. If someone calls you on the phone, that's your chance to say whoever it is. If it's someone you've never met, and even if it's somebody that's trying to, I don't know, sell you something, you could say, "What can I pray for?" Like you. Did can today. I pray for you? And this lady on the phone today, I, I was just reminded of that. Yeah, I, she said, oh, this, okay. I called her later, and she said, hey, give your wife a hug. She <laughs> oh. prayed for me on the phone. All right, give me a hug, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, but she said, no one has ever done that before. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, all the years I've been working. So that's uh, encouragement to all of us, isn't it? That, and, and she was so thankful. She was just so happy. And I thought, oh, that was just a little thing. She said, you know, people have said, I'll pray for you or God bless you. But she said, you took the time. Well, it was just a little thing. But how wonderful that, you know, she was blessed. And I said, we're going to encourage all the young people to do the same thing. Because, you know, it's it's easy. It's simple. Oh, Way to go. <laughs> Woo! Way to go. That's cool, honey. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. And there's more where that came from. So here's Jesus. He interrupts a funeral procession so that people can just go from mourning to just shouting and praising God and thanking God. He interrupts a synagogue service by healing somebody. The Pharisees aren't real happy, but everybody else is, and they're thanking God for his kind heart for healing people. He loved to bring thanksgiving to people. I, that's, I'd really like to do that. So I, I know that most or maybe all of you are, are grateful people I just want to suggest something as we wrap this up now. Here's my suggestion. And it relates to what Amy started with. Just try this. I started doing it a few years ago. I wish I'd done it when I was your age. I hope you try it now. Try saying thank you in difficult times. And see God take you to a new place. When you are being tested... 
when you're being tempted, when temptation presses in on you, when irritation is rising to the surface, when pressures at work escalate, when tension at home mounts, when conflict in relationships bring extra tension, when challenges want to push you over the top, give thanks. People who give thanks are putting their trust in the sovereignty of God. They're saying that God overturns evil with good. He knows how to do it. He does it a lot. And in the midst of bad, in the midst of evil, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of difficulty, if you can come to a place on a more or less regular basis, you are saying, I thank you. You're on the throne. You're in charge. I trust you. You're going to see some pretty wonderful things. So, I'm going to give you my, you know you have a grateful heart. You know you have a grateful heart if your prayers sometimes don't get beyond Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? There's just too much to say thank you for, and then the time runs out. You know you have a grateful heart if you often reflect on those who have impacted your life. You know you have a grateful heart if you can only stand in awe of a God who has been so kind and faithful to you. You know you have a grateful heart if you manage to give thanks in the midst of pain. And you have determined to thank him regardless. So when, O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Why? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. How? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Who? Surely the righteous will give thanks to your name. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus
God speaking Thank to you tonight. Jesus. God turning Father. something in your heart so that you live a life of gratitude so that wherever you go, you spread the poison. No. You spread the perfume of the love of Christ wherever you go. 
song we sing. Let's stand. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you. You almost smiled just singing it. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Without ceasing, for this is the will of God. You can make up words. Pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God. Pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus, concerning you. You could almost sing this song while you're skating, couldn't you? <laughs> Yes. In everything give thanks. Do you believe it? This is the will of God. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you. So what is the will of God? Give thanks in everything. I want you to turn. Sing it. Okay. This is a really good one. It's pretty obvious I wanted to sing something. And uh, my I thought she was just coming over to kiss me, and I I was disappointed because she (laughs) Rebecca. Okay, so now that's over with. My grand, <laughs> my grandkids would love this song, and I know it because I taught it to my kids when they were little. And um, in fact, um, I changed the words a little bit. But you were speaking tonight about having a grateful heart. That's right. And if you don't, what happens? See. So, uh, but if you do have a grateful heart, and it actually goes a cheerful heart. But that's the same thing. Come on, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. A, cheer, a, ch- a, a cheerful, cheerful heart does good medicine. Good medicine. A grateful heart. A grateful heart is good medicine. Good medicine. A grateful heart. Come on. A grateful heart is good medicine. Good medicine. A grateful heart. A grateful heart is good medicine. Good medicine, a grateful heart. Yeah. All right. Very good, children. Turn to somebody and say that was a little embarrassing, but I'm, you know, I'm glad we're over. Okay. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray with people close to you, either groups of two or groups of three. And pray at home. Pray this attitude of gratitude home into the heart of your brother, your sister. And I'm looking forward to next Tuesday. 
not preaching. I don't want to preach. I want you to share what God does to you. Quick, write home, call them up, talk to people, get as many testimonies. This is going to be fun. We're going to, we're going to just have gratitude just rise through the ceiling toward heaven. So pray it into the hearts of those near you. Ministry people, could you uh, come to the front here? Those of you who are really, you know, I'm going to pray a prayer here. Before, before we do this, because some of you, some of you were raised on whining and you, you found out you could do it too. And so I believe tonight the Lord's going to break that, that the Lord's going to break that from you and bring you into a new place where you are free to give thanks, where you don't have to own that whining. You don't have to own that complaining. That's not who you are in Jesus Christ. Jesus is not a whiner. Jesus is not a complainer. Jesus, we often see him giving thanks. He holds up the bread before he feeds the 5,000, turns the desert into a party as he gives thanks and distributes it. So that should have read distribute. Lord, isn't that what we want to do? That's is right. give glory That's to Him, right. even though sometimes it's it can be painful, it can hurt a little, but He knows that. Yeah. So we're just being obedient, that's right. and then He'll give us that joy. That's Thank right. you, Lord. So that's why I'm doing this. You you wave that while I pray, and I'm declaring to remind you the joy of the Lord and the glory He'll bring. I speak to those now who have been infected with with a victim mentality. With a whining spirit, I break that in the name of Jesus Christ. I release you from the need, from the tyranny of spreading smog like that. I break that off of you. You don't need to do it anymore. It's not who you are. It's not your heritage in Jesus Christ. It's not where you're headed. It's not what's going to fill heaven's air. And so you're starting now. You're changing. God is changing you. He has power to change you. His grace changes you and brings you into a new liberty where you will find yourself rejoicing and giving thanks for things that you have complained about before. And now you change your melody. You sing instead of a dirge, you're singing a joyful melody that gives glory to God and releases you into a new place of joy and freedom in Jesus Christ. Let let me hear some amen! 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 Okay, you can either spin around to the people near you, or you can come up to the front and receive prayer. And then in about four or five minutes, we're going to go up for the newbie meeting. And for those who want uh, help uh, talking about the Holy Spirit or experiencing the Holy Spirit, we'll go up for there. But we're going to take this first. Okay, this is not fellowship. Oh, good. Uh, newbie meeting, if you want to know about the Harvest Project, they'll be with the newbie people. So, okay, either come up or just turn right now and, uh, and turn it into a prayer meeting. This is time for prayer. We'll have time for fellowship in a little bit. Good. Start praying. <laughs>